FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp Mech Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. You say I'm a champion, but am I? Does that one count? Uh, it doesn't really count. And <laughs> I'm good. You don't have to look at me at all. It should be fun. That's looking it? forward to it. Yeah, that's I it. I mean, uh, have you done enduro cross before? Either one of you. I mean, I've rode some trails. We flew. Yeah. We drove. We drove. We got on from- a boat. Then we took a UTV down some jeep trails we just need a train and we've covered all the different modes of transportation to get here but enduro cross is a totally different animal what if I, i'm hold better on, hold what on. if i'm better hold on can we get comfort are we doing enduro cross we're doing enduro cross what we're doing enduro cross he, he's probably better than both of you <laughs> so i'm not I'm, he's not my gauge he's an off-road champion well me and jake that. are always a loose program <laughs> show 400 by the way we woke up in the morning couldn't figure out how we got back to the room. What the fuck just happened? Like, what happened? I don't know if you're a very good mechanic. Oh, I won mechanic of the night. Only got to win a million dollars and complain He's about like, it. That was terrible. I hated it. Craftsman was the shit. Is there some way you can turn down his mic? Because I hear his, no- his nose whistling. Yeah. Zero chance Canada takes us down. COVID was cool. Guns. Yeah, but you were fat. I've never seen his butthole, but Jake's Maybe mom after has. This- if they could add like an inch and a half to it, it would be fine. That's what she said. Where's Ryan Villapoto? Uh, he's taking a leak. All right. So Steve Mathis and Pulp Mex run a loose, janky program and decide to do a last-minute show after saying no show. We're going to do a loose wrap-up show. I've got a couple guys on the phone that are going to help out, so let me introduce them. First up from Pulp Mex, brought to you by Guts Racing, Travis Marks. What's up, Marks? Yo, what's up? I'm actually here. This is sweet. Yeah, you're here. You didn't go to the Gold Creek Lodge. Um, I need you real quick to check, make sure my email, my Pulp Mex email is working because I didn't get an invite either. <laughs> I will I will do that and I will get back to you. Okay. Next up from Vital MX, he's my boss and he's brought to you by Seal Savers, Michael Lindsay. What's up? I was just going to say this is a uh, janky wrap-up show about a janky show and because of that i may have fast forwarded quite a bit through the janky show oh no that's gonna get that's gonna get me clippy clippied it was short and everything oh better more more time to work for me (laughs) well we're gonna wrap up last night's show from gold creek lodge in idaho with jake weimer and ryan villapoto as the main guests as well as gold creek owner dave mccahill i hope i'm saying that right and chuck's son was in studio uh, what we're gonna call the studio uh, first up, ML, thoughts on the abbreviated show, the two-and-a-half-hour show? I'm completely fine with it, considering I got heads up this morning we were doing this. It made it a lot easier to listen to. Oh, yeah. If it had been a five-hour <laughs> show, we wouldn't even just – I would have just taken Steve's criticism for not doing it. There's no way. <laughs> no, I'm a fan. Like, Don't get me wrong. The the main show has its place in time, but um, – Something shorter like this, still with great co-hosts, is, is nice. Um, just, I don't know, it kind of gets to the meat of, you know, certain shows during, whether it's weird times of year where maybe you just aren't able to get a lot of good guests on, having a, a short abbreviated show with two guests that everybody probably loves to listen to, particularly when they're on the show together. That That's totally fine with me. At least you really know what you're getting going into it. Absolutely. Marks, what'd you think? And uh, also just about RV and Jake, those guys have done the show together a couple times. This was a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think they're favorites for a reason. They're very entertaining. They, they have a great chemistry, I think on the show and probably off the show as well. You know, I think they've been friends for a long time. And I think that that comes through as far as listening to them. 
um you know the short show was nice uh i wasn't there so i didn't have to work it so that was also nice <laughs> sure, so, sure uh I, I i got to listen to it today and uh yeah man it just seemed like it's we're so used to that five-hour show for it to be so short made it seem like, like that was it right you know like that what well, there's supposed to be more I've always argued for longer shows when it comes to pulp until I started doing the wrap up show. And then like the two and a half hour show was perfect. I loved it. Sweet. And, uh, you know, to the point, it didn't take that long to get this wrap up ready. I enjoyed it. I thought Jake and Coke, Jake and Coke, uh, and RV were really good. Uh, you know, they didn't get too wasted where sometimes they lose me a little bit. There was just the right amount of slurring. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would say the long shows, uh, there, there's a couple of the long shows where by the end of it, um, they are very, they are the uh, definition of loose by the yes, end of it. Yes. And I generally don't enjoy it once they get to that point. So this was a really good one for me. Uh, before we get into that, I want to talk about Michelin Bicycle Tires, which is a proud sponsor of, I think they're proud of this wrap up show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable B pneumatic bicycle tire. To this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for information on all the different lines, such as the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new Pilot 20-inch BMX tire, and any of the road models, bike.michelin.com. Shout out to Randy Richardson, who was in East Texas this last weekend at the Diamond Dons Vintage Race, ripping Selfish plug here. Check out Vital MX very soon for a feature on Diamond Dawn's Vintage with some footage of Randy ripping on a vintage bike. Really, really cool. ML, you haven't got to see the stuff yet, but Randy's super, super fast on a vintage bike. He's good in general. I don't think he'll remember that he raced professionally. I believe he has raced supercross. Yep, he has. Um, I'll even, I'll be even really honest. Like I didn't quite know his full background until I went to a Yamaha off-road intro a few years back and me and him jumped out on Randy Hawkins like trails you know typical moto mentality even on a what's supposed to be a trail ride you're like full pin <laughs> and he is hounding me through part of it yelling at me going through the trees the only thing that saved me is he uh I think he tried to go for the pass and he sent it a little bit too deep into a flat field uh <laughs> corner and he washed out that was the only reprieve I got from Randy nice yeah he was at he was chasing down Trampus Parker this weekend uh, but anyway, this week's show, so like I said, they were at Gold Creek Lodge in Idaho. Sounds like a really cool place. They're there to hang out, shoot pool, ride dirt bikes, maybe some jet, key, jet skis, and possibly even fish a little bit. But one of the gnarliest things that they talked about, uh, Marks, was the Enduro Cross. Can you see Steve racing some Enduro Cross? Uh, can I see it? No. Would I pay to watch it? Yes. Yeah, he sounds all, entertaining. He sounds like he's all into it. Let's listen to what they had to say. Uh, have you done enduro cross before, either one of you? I mean, I've rode some trails. <laughs> My legs are way too short. I, uh, how am I supposed oh. to wheelie over? Hey, as something? long as the suspension is soft enough, I think we'll be okay. There's no <laughs> doubt that you two guys are better on a dirt bike than I am. Okay, like, but enduro cross is a totally different animal. What if I, I'm hold better? On, hold what on. if I'm better? Hold on. Can we get comfort? Are we doing enduro cross? We're doing enduro cross. What? We're doing enduro cross. The one that we passed. Yeah. We're doing that. When you rode past it, do you think you can ride through the rocks? Yeah, I think I can do all of that. And <laughs> what? Again, what if I'm better than you two? Like we don't know. Probably not. Like probably not. You two are very you good. You have animals. better chances to go into your local casino and go to the fucking roulette table to win big on that one. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Marks, there's a lot to unpack in that audio, but I love the fact that the most talented riders of the group seem very nervous and the least talented rider seems very confident. That's usually how it goes, right? I mean, Steve should know. By, you know, take a look at like a Ray going and, and doing enduro cross. He should know. Yeah. And obviously he's playing it up a bit, but he should know that it's not going to be a, a breeze. Um, so for them to be laughing and, and him, I mean, obviously that's his deal. Like he's just going to talk shit and, and do his thing. But um, yeah, I, 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 we need a report, but I'm sure he was in for a rude awakening today. Yeah. Michael Weimer's response. What? Like, well, actually, I think I have it here. We're doing enduro cross. What? We're doing enduro cross. 
He <laughs> just seems like he was like, uh, like he wasn't. I don't think Weimer was quite prepared for what Steve was telling him they were going to do. Well, I think uh, anybody that like of RV's caliber and Jake's caliber, you'd think, oh, they've got the bike skills. They shouldn't be that worried. I think they're aware enough knowing what they can do on a bike and what it takes to do that. I think they have better awareness to look and go, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be a miserable experience. I've yeah. tried enduro cross and it looks really fun. And the rare moment you get something right, it is, but it has so much, <laughs> what do you see you would call <laughs> There's just so much that can go wrong and yeah. even make it look half right bad. Uh, in Steve's case, I will say that I guess ignorance is bliss. I guess when you don't, <laughs> I'm guessing from his standpoint, he's just like, oh, it's just hopping some logs, which I think is a lot of people's thoughts on Enduro Cross. So I, I can see why he's confident, and I can see why the the experienced guys in the room under bikes are like, yeah, this is not going to yeah. be a fun experience. Well, he asked Steve, you know, do you think you get through the rocks? And Steve, very confidently, yeah. <laughs> but he just, he just uh, complained so not that long ago about Talon taking him out in the desert and it being rocky. Yeah, considering the guy who rides around in Vegas. Yeah, a rock section on uh, Enduro Cross is quite interesting. You'll be going, you think you're going to go straight through it, and then your head is going forward, and your bike decides <laughs> to go a different direction. And yeah. then your head hits the rock when you're still trying to go a different direction than the motorcycle. Yeah, Mark's in an RV saying, well, I- I've rode some trails. Uh, yeah, it's a little different, buddy, there. So it's just, just, the whole, just a little bit. He's so close. Yeah, the whole co- the whole conversation, the right off the bat of the show, like had me cracking up. This group, the three guys, Mathis, RV, and Weimer, again, when they're not totally sloshed, it- it's nonstop laughs. Mark's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's, they just have such, like I said, they have a good chemistry and they, they can bust each other's balls. They can talk shit and. Um, as long as you don't get into politics, I think everyone's, <laughs> everyone's good to go. So, yeah, uh, yeah. that's why, I mean, you go look at some of our live shows uh, on YouTube, the RV and Weimer ones are, are typically towards the top. If you exclude like show 500, which, uh, is a bit of an anomaly for good reason, but yeah, RV and Weimer and Steve, like it, it's just great entertainment all, all the time. Yeah. And during the conversation, early part of the conversation, they were talking about titles and whether Jake uh, Jake's title counts and Talon's you know got got credit for his off road being an off road champion, but Steve always brings up his four Manitoba titles. Marks, I didn't realize these four titles were over two years, two per year. Like I feel like this is information we might have needed a few years ago. Yeah, I had no idea either. I didn't. Know. I mean, you just. You hear it so much. I don't even hear him say it anymore. It's just like, <laughs> as soon as you hear, I hear the number four and then the letter M and I'm just like, I'm out. Yeah. But uh, to get that information, yeah, it's uh, we're learning new stuff all the time. Yeah. It's kind of surprising, Michael, because again, we hear these stories all the time and you think, oh, I know these stories. And now I feel like, well, I think in 96, I won a couple of night championships. Like, so do I, can I count those now? <laughs> like, I didn't know, I didn't know like a couple many titles during the season counted. Well, what's really shocking me here is the same thing. I'm like, wait, if it happened over two years, then I think about where he's from and the fact that they're what snowed in for how many months a year. I'm like, yeah. So did these, I were saying two years. What we're actually saying is these four titles happen in the span of probably a year when you could ride probably six months out of the year that you could ride uh, two years. So we're actually saying he got four titles in probably a little under a year. Yeah. So, how how much work was there to this? Is, are these one race championships yeah, like we're four, counting here? Or? Yeah, I'm thinking it was like a four race series, and he probably raced the open and the intermediate or something. Well, it was the same guys. Four race series are they they double headers two in a week, <laughs> or maybe two classes? Like maybe they're open and intermediate or something. Well, it could be same guys. You know, it, it's just yeah, I beat the same does, four guys. Does this twice. does this add to his value because it means he was very dominant over those two years, or is this devalue the four Manitoba titles because it didn't happen in four years? Where are we I, at with this? I feel like it devalues it, Marks. Yeah, I mean, I think it might a little bit, but then at the same time, you like look at World Supercross, and it's a it's a it's a whole thing, but it's only two races. <laughs> oh, we're gonna um, get to that, hey, man. It's a world yeah. championship, yeah. man. We're gonna we're actually gonna get to some World Supercross talk at the end, but yeah, okay, I see where you're going though, Marks. But along with all his accomplishments, he loves to bring up Summercross, uh, a national moto win. This was another one that made me laugh that the boys thought was pretty entertaining. 
Oh, I won Mechanic of the Night. Uh, Orlando, night? Orlando night? 05. Yeah, Orlando they 05. They used to do that? They gave you... Uh, a mechanic of the Night? Yeah, Mechanic of the Night Award. Changing bars, grips? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> all of it means motor? <laughs> yeah, the all of it. The, the big one five. The big one five decided to go cartwheeling. ML, Mechanic of the Night. Another accomplishment for Steve Mathis. I forgot about that. I think I remember them. I don't know if it was an MMI award they'd hand out, but I, I can kind yeah. of picture it now. Um, yeah, I'm guessing back then, though, I'm wondering if it was a good thing to win it because I would <laughs> suspect they probably handed it to whoever had the worst rider night. ruined their Yeah, pretty much whoever's rider ruined their bike the most that night, I'm pretty sure, is the guy who won it the majority of the time. So I, I um, do think you're right. I do think it was the MMI thing, and I feel like they talked about it like on the, sh- the races sometimes. But, yeah. Uh, we definitely would. You know, be, what I, you know what I wanted to play? Like, as soon as he said that, I'm so ingrained in like when the show is going and I hear something and I, I want to play a drop. I wanted to play. Was I the greatest mechanic ever? No. Yes. I want to know. I thought it like I'm still in drop mode when I'm not there. I want to know. Uh, so was the incident caused uh, by Timmy or something you did to the bike? <laughs> <laughs> So, Marks, let me we ask need, you a little behind details. the a little behind the scenes question. Then, a lot of those drops over the last couple of years are drops that I've pulled doing this wrap up show. When he play, when you play some of those newer ones, is he aware where they come from, or does he ever ask? Um, yeah. First, to give you credit, yeah, a lot of those come from you. I think I tweeted that a while back. Um, just wanted to make sure that you were getting the credit you deserved for that. Um, as far as some of them, I don't think he. I, I, he still thinks some of them are are you know like spliced together. Oh really? Audio. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's, I can't remember which one it was, but a couple weeks ago I played one before commercial, and he looked over at me. I think you texted me after too, and he looked over at me and was like, "What? I said that?" Yeah, yeah, I remember um, that. Uh, but yeah, every every so often we get him with something. He's like, "Where did that come from?" Well, I do have a couple that I spliced together for my own use. Here, just. This is, I don't know if Steve would care about this or not, but. Always doing something cool. The guys at the Moto X Pod Show. I love the Moto X Pod Show. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah. and it's completely original. And it's completely cool. And then I have this one. <laughs> That's Dark Side, everybody. The man. The man. Right? Yep. Like, yeah, he's the man. The, he man. the man. He's the man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did those myself. That's, that's beautiful work. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yes, it's so, like, you can't even tell. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. <laughs> I just, I we just need, love we the need drop. Those. We need, he needs to hear those. Yeah, well, I'll send them to you. What were you going to say, Michael? I, just, I would just love the fact, some of the drops I hear you guys play, I'm just like, I can't believe at no point before this person said this that they were aware how badly it was going to come out. The one that stands out to me with that is the, the A-Ray in my ass one. Oh, yeah. Every time I hear that, I'm like, I cannot believe he said this and did not think it wasn't going to get turned uh, around on him. Steve but, says I mean, something the, all the, the time. Best, Go ahead. Yeah, the best part is like he – Steve was like – as soon as he said it, Steve was like, oh, Jesus. And Eric <laughs> just like oblivious. It took him another two seconds after that. He was like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. It's just like, oh, you, <laughs> you guys are giving us ammo, man. Yeah, every once in a while there's a really good one like that, and I'll text Mark. That's a drop. Like we got – so yep. we both have it yeah. time stamped. Yeah, while it's live, I'll be like, oh, that's a drop. And all the ones mm-hmm. – Steve does them all the time about there, – there's always these sexual innuendos that he just – I feel like he has to know while he's saying it, but maybe not. <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he does. I, I repeat what I said earlier: ignorance is bliss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, something to not be ignorant about is Guts Racing, which was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s. And today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. So check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. All right, next up, let's talk about... We know RV and Jake's history with in-studio appearances. We've already sort of touched on it and being loose. But this is one I hadn't really heard. Show 400, by the way. We woke up in the morning... Couldn't figure out how we got back to the room. Oh, show 400 was... <laughs> no, not, this is no lie. We couldn't figure out how we got back to the room. Right. J- and I called Jake because I woke up and the bl- the blackout shades were all in. And <laughs> because I you're cheap I dr- and you booked me a 5.30 a.m. flight, so I couldn't sleep. I get up and I'm so like 
out of my world. I'm like, geez, where am I at? Like, I open the blinds and I, it's, the sun's up. And then all of a sudden, I call Jake. I said, dude, what the fuck just happened? Like, what happened? And like, and then I'm like, True. how'd you get back to the? How'd we yeah. get back to the room? And we both didn't know for like three minutes. And then his phone goes dead. <laughs> so then I, or my phone goes dead. So I plug it in and then I call him right back. And he's at the bar in the morning, like just trying to nurse this thing. Over. <laughs> he's trying to nurse it over. Marks, I instantly think of The Hangover, the movie The Hangover. <laughs> They're in Vegas oh, yeah. and they don't know how they get to the room. Like, I'm not a drinker, so I can't even wrap my brain around how you end up in a hotel room and just don't know how you got there. Like, it's right. I wish we had talked about, like, we, surely you guys had heard this, but like, as listeners, I didn't know it was that, but got to that point. Well, especially like, I don't. 400 was a while ago. I don't yeah. remember them being that bad for 400. I thought they were they were more sloshed for four, uh, whatever the other one was. 448, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they were worse on that one, I thought. And it was just those two. And then, you know, 400 had AC and, and way there and everything to kind of keep them under control. But, um, yeah, I mean, just to, just to hear that and – kind of gives you a little insight like oh dude they were they were toasty they were feeling good (laughs) definitely michael have you ever been that uh trash that you just the next day you don't know how you got there it's like oh wow what happened i gotta call my buddy and figure it out no i don't drink (laughs) that's right uh, but i have had i've had to go hunt down friends that have sort of like hang over like i'm here can you (laughs) right around that era when you know your late teens or 20s you're most like i was because I didn't drink, I was the uh, self-proclaimed DD for a few yep, friends. And sure, sure. It was funny a few times till I had to go like rescue a few people from some pretty <laughs> odd circumstances, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So I remember when the first time I watched The Hangover, I'm like, hmm, I've lived something. <laughs> from, not not to the extreme, of course, but I'm like, yeah. I feel this. I know what this this is like. And what, <laughs> in the one type of person in the group, you're like, it's entertaining for a while, and then after a while, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of sick of this. I don't I think, get the fun factor they do beforehand. Yeah, I, feel I like have to deal with their crap. It would all be worth it if you ended up married to Heather Graham somehow, but that's about it. Hey, so really <laughs> funny one I think of is like those two experiencing that on the show. Here's what's funny. Like these two are experiencing this going on a podcast, like going on a show. Um, now, however, most writers uh, from the 90s and the early 2000s have either experienced what both of them have, which is either I had to stay up all night and I'm still drinking the next morning before the race to figure <laughs> yeah. out how to stay uh, going through this, or I woke up the next morning with the blackout shades going, holy crap, this track walk happened yet? How the hell did I get here? Where's, <laughs> where's my ride to the track? Those two, however, I don't, you know, they were in that very serious era. It's like, well, they've never really got to probably experience as racers, maybe once, but you know, you, you talk to like a, maybe a, a Chad Reed or an Emig and they've got probably 30 of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's really great that we got a chance to hear that on the show. You know, this, this was a really fun show, Mark, even though I kind of gave shit that we didn't get our, our invite or I didn't. Yeah. Apparently you did. I just, I didn't, um, this show was a lot of fun. So we got some fun stories, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of race talk necessarily, you know, it was just shooting the shit and, you know, we got Dave McKay, McKay Hill on to discuss all the different things they can, things they have to offer at, at the uh, Gold Creek. And I, I really glad, I'm really glad that Steve did this. You know, I didn't even know about it. Literally didn't know about it. I didn't look at Twitter yesterday until Michael told me this morning, I think it was. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I had to go look at Twitter and go, oh shit, I guess I need to throw a wrap up together. So like, and you hadn't listened to it yet. Michael hadn't listened to it yet, but I don't know. It was just a really fun, uh, kind of a gift. I don't know. Like this, a fun thing that ended up in our, in my podcast box this morning to listen to. And I'm glad he did it. A tasty little treat. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I spoiler alert. I did get the invite and I declined. Uh, I, I, I don't ride much anymore and to go out there and try to ride with those guys didn't sound uh, like it would be very fun for me or them because they'd probably end up waiting for me far too often. It just um, go ahead, finish. I got, I just something just hit me, but go ahead. Um, and, you know, and Steve, just to kind of give some insight, we did talk about me going up and <clears throat> you know filming it and streaming it and doing the whole thing, but it just it just wasn't going to be worth it. It was going to be a lot of of heartache and and work to try to make that happen. So yeah. Uh, I kind of took the initiative and, and told Steve, I was like, ah, I think I'm, 
I think I'm going to pass on this one. Um, I, and I did try to um, stream the audio to YouTube last night. You know, just we have so many people that are so accustomed to the show being available on YouTube now, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but that means I have to set it up to stream there when we do when he does do a remote show. And for some reason, my neither one of my computers would connect to the YouTube stream last night. So I had all kinds of people mad last night. But uh, janky, janky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Janky show. Uh, you know that just adds to the jankiness. And uh, but yeah, it was. I, I do think it was a great show. Just to kind of get back to that point, I think it was a great show. I think some of these these shows, these off season shows, or even. Um, on season shows towards the end of them when when it's less race talk less formalities and just kind of the guys just bullshitting like they're at a round table i think some of those are are the best parts of the show you know it seems a little more laid back not so you know you get talking to writers and doing the interviews and you know all that structure you get a lot of good insight but it's sometimes it's uh, a bit repetitive almost yeah a little structured so yeah, yeah. So to kind of you hear everyone let loose a little bit and just kind of let the the, the flow of the show take itself where it wants to go. Um, I, I know a lot of people think that those are the best parts, and this show I think is a reflection of that. I, I agree, but Michael, what hit me a minute ago is I think the reason I didn't get the invite is if I'd went up there to ride, Steve would have <laughs> realized he's not ready for Glen Helen. There it is. Yes, I'm sure the both of you falling down in a rock section and over logs over and over would have been uh, the moment he would have realized that he is doomed or the moment you both would have realized that what I realized, Enduro Cross sucks. It's cool to watch. I might have been good at this, Michael. What if I'm really oh, good? Here we go. Here we go. Um, exactly what I just said about Steve. I, ignorance is bliss, Jamie. Ignorance is bliss. Agreed. Another topic that came up or a fact about Steve and this one actually registers with me is he has never really camped and I'm all about the hotel life. Give me a shower, give me a bed, give me some air conditioning. I have zero problem, Michael, that Steve has never camped in a tent. I don't have any issues with that whatsoever. Dude, I, uh, good for you guys. Just this year alone, I think I've slept in airports multiple times. I've slept in cars at races. I've slept on the floor of a semi trailer in like 30 something degree weather. I don't care, man. It's uh bed, beds are overrated. Showers are overrated. Yes, they're nice, but <laughs> not it, sometimes, sometimes you just got to live, man. Sometimes you just got to live. I'm not a camper marks. I'm not an outdoorsman. I want to, I'll go ride moto. I'll go, I'll go mobbing with you, but there better be a shower at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, I won't, I won't uh, give you too much crap because I feel my, I feel like I'm getting that way more and more as I get a bit older. I was very, my family did a lot of camping and outdoor stuff and we still do uh, as I was growing up. But um, yeah, I feel like I'm leaning further away. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a desk princess these days, so (laughs) uh, don't want to get out too much, but but I think it is something that everyone needs to experience. People don't know. Steve doesn't do, Steve is very like, he's in his comfort zone. He doesn't go outside of that, you know, and, and that can be both physical and, uh, emotional, I guess you could say like he has his, his physical circle around his house. It's always been a joke where if he can't go somewhere in that circle, um, and get whatever he needs, he just doesn't go. Okay. So he he doesn't like to stray from what he knows. Uh, so, so him not camping, he wouldn't go on a UTV ride. I told him I'd take him on a UTV ride in a, in a razor, uh, so he could experience that. And he just has no interest. He, he didn't want to go to the dunes. I invited him to the dunes. He doesn't want to go do that. Um, yeah, just very, it, it, that's very on brand for Steve. Not, not surprising. He keeps it tight. He does keep, he keeps that part tight. Yes. Well, getting back to the co-hosts, Steve asked uh, Ryan Villapoto about the vet MXDN, and it led to this. Fox Weird. Hill was the mo- the funnest race I've ever done. Really? You, yes, uh, ever. You, you, was it funner than Monster Cup when you swept and made a million dollars? Yeah, because I still had all the pressure <laughs> and... You know, uh, only got to win a million dollars and complain about like, it. Uh, that was terrible. No. I hated it. And it's all installments. It's installments. It wasn't all one. I check. didn't even get it at one time. Right. It wasn't. They lied. Hey, and the only no. guy to win a truck and complain. Also, well, the, it should have been. A Ford, it should have been a Ford Raptor. I but. will complain about the truck because Vegas shootout always was a truck. Yeah. 
One year I win. <laughs> no truck. Ah, we took the year off. <laughs> ah, right on, dude. Sick. Thanks, right. Awesome. Ah, okay, cool. Even like straight rhythm. Like I go there, even though it's supposed to be fun, like it's supercross, and I got to go, like I got to race against Kenny, and I got to race against Dunge, and I got to race. Next year I'm going to ride and train a little bit. I want to win a moto. Michael, to hear, it's so foreign for somebody like myself, a fan, whatever, that hasn't been in that position to hear the, the, the complaints, right, about winning a million dollars, the pressure of something that seems like it would be so cool, so much fun, so exciting, but sometimes the grass isn't always greener. I think you can compare it to any any day life. Like, I think about even our job in, in media and be like, oh, you get your out and this and that. I'm like, dude, there are nights where I'm still under the gun on, on deadlines and 18-hour days. I'm like, I don't have fun a lot. There's a lot of times I'm stressed out this. As can be, so I can see, of course, oh, there's so many more eyes on it. Yes, there's one part of you that wants to look at a pro like an RV or somebody, and, and I see it all the time, especially on social media these days. People are like, oh, they should be more grateful for what they have or this or that. I'm like, look, they, they go through a lot of hard stuff to get there, and it's not all sunshine and roses. If it was great and easy and exciting, a lot more of us would probably have ended up there. It's it's a gritty thing. Um, yeah, it is crazy crazy to hear. Uh, him say that but doesn't totally shock me um that he has way more fun at an event like a yeah like a fox hill um that race than you know being on the line for a million dollars with all that pressure yeah i mean people forget that they're humans i've talked about this a lot in some of my interviews recently with guys like eli or whatever and people are like or or another rider that only has a bad day and they're like well he just sucks now or whatever you don't people don't think about what's going on in their personal life the night before who knows what's going on and and the pressures that they have to deal with we don't know what rv was dealing with you know exactly what he had to deal with so i feel like even though they're kind of making fun of him a little bit about oh the only guy to win a million dollars in complain it kind of makes you realize like it's yeah it's it's still work right it was, for him it was work it wasn't a fun hobby well and like i've talked to you know rv talks about it somewhere on the show about like Oh, if he would have had a different perspective, you know, if he would have maybe been a little more fun with media and mm-hmm. different things, maybe what it could have done for his career. Um, I asked Dungey that at the final national this year, because anybody that went to a national this year has checked out any of the content any of us in media have done with Dunge this year. Like he's just been so awesome to deal with. Not that not that Dungey was ever maybe closed off his villa, but I mean he took it insanely seriously and you could see you know, bad days he had, like I wouldn't want to try to interview the guy. It didn't matter where Dungey finished this year. I'd walk by and I could tell like, oh, I can get this guy for a good interview. He's in a great mood and he enjoyed it so much. And, you know, I kind of hit him at the end, like, like, do you wish you could have raced? Like looking back, do you wish you would have had this attitude racing? And he said, you know, I'd love to, but he goes, it wouldn't have worked. He's like, it was a very serious situation. He kind of, you know, pushed off of like, no, it's not, it's not really possible when there's that much pressure on you, when you're in the moment, in the peak in the career and like what you're expected to do. He's just like, it, it's pretty hard to be okay, like to be there mentally, to be fun and okay with it and stuff. And I yeah. think you look at RV's mentality, like part of the reason why the dude was so dominant in a short time span, uh, a Carmichael guys that were dominant in spans like that, like it wasn't, they just took it serious part of the time. Like they had to be there mentally. They had to be in that place to make it happen. Right, right. And Marks, what about Weimer though? The one time he wins the shootout, there's no truck. Like, of course that happens to Weimer, right? <laughs> Poor Weimer, dude. And, and just the way he tells about, you know, how he he tells the story about how it happened, and you uh, could just hear the depression in his voice, <laughs> yeah. and it's 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 sad for Weimer, but it's so funny. Go ahead, Michael. Is, isn't that just like poor? Like, I think of like, okay, so the two of them before, of course, like Villo, Hall of Fame career one of the best have ever done it. These, these super just amazing stats, like a stalker. Then his buddy Jake, who was right there through most of it with him. And Jake, a lot of Jake's situation or stories are just like the dollar short feeling like, <laughs> right. cool, he won a regional supercross title, but none of us ever talk about regional supercross title. So the joke is, he never really thinks, Hey, he won an outdoor national. that was red flag, like five or 10 minutes for them. So everybody gives him crap for that. And the whole, he got the Cowie and everybody focused on RV and would help. Like, like, I feel so bad. There's so many things in Jake's stories where it's like, yeah, it doesn't get the truck. It's like, uh, it just feels like everything ends up being just a dollar short for yeah, him. Always the bridesmaid. And, and, and then just like his, his attitude with it's always just like, so, uh, like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy That's to laugh at. That's what makes Weimer so funny, man. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, it does. For 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and the original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and your mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection, so enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Marks, as one of the, uh, I guess you're the audio-video guy, basically, for Pulp, to hear Weimer in the middle of the show say, hey, can you turn his mic down so I can stop hearing his nose whistle? Dude, I freaking, <laughs> that was one of the funniest things of the night. That was that was really funny. There's always, like, little things like that, and and... To be fair, Steve handles like the, the audio from the mics and, and into the headsets and stuff. He has his switcher over there. Yeah. And he's always handled all that. But yeah, to hear, I, I wish I had more control of that stuff because it, it would be easier for me to do that. But, you know, you always hear little things like that, whether it be a nose whistle or someone breathing into the mic or there's always something like that. And some, some people pick it up and some people don't. But for him. For it to be a nose whistle and it to be happening to Weimer, uh, just yeah. have him say it. those, it's hilarious. Those headphones are usually cranked too. Whenever I go in yeah. studio, I'm like, holy shit, they're loud. Mm, yeah. Uh, let's get to the uh, race tech rant, pulp 22 to save. I know Michael has some thoughts on this. Let's listen to it real quick. You get a permanent number. You get to keep it one year. If you don't score any points, you can keep it one year. You can uh-huh. request that and keep uh-huh. your number. Yep. Otherwise, you lose it. Yep. That's so the rule. So if you don't score any points, the next year you can still keep it? Well, Is that what you just said? Yes. If Yes, you can keep it one extra year that you don't race. The AMA is going to let Tickle keep his number, Reed keep his number, Hill keep his number for another – Justin Hill. For another year. Justin Hill? Right. If you're in a number and you don't race – no problem. And if you ask to keep it another year, I got no problem with that. But after two seasons of no points, we're moving on. Okay. We so got to move I on. Totally okay, agree okay, with that. okay. Pause. Pause. Like, pause so I like Brock Tickle. So I actually, Good guy. I, I didn't okay. know that they let him do that. He told well, me that he was going to call and yeah, see if. Yeah. You can request it. So it, I knew that he was going to call. I didn't know that that happened. Dungey didn't race for five, five years, six years, six years. Nobody comes back no, with number no, five. Nobody picked five. But nobody had five. So they're just like, okay, yeah, cool. Because you yeah, use yeah. it again? Yeah, because it's a single digit. Which nobody not, had it. I'm not slamming right. done. Like, nobody had it, though. It was an open number because it was he won a championship and it was inside so the top ten. I came back this year and was like, hey, I want to do a couple outdoor rounds. I want number five. You didn't earn number five. You didn't have five. So, yeah, you never had five. They're Chad not Reed just one year. And Brock Tickle and Justin Hill are taking numbers away from three riders that should have earned it. Okay, before we get into the details of the rant, and I go to you, Michael, Marks, some of the things that Weimer and Villapoto don't know about the sport, like the or the new information, <laughs> or whatever, is so funny. <laughs> they're oblivious. Dude, like, they just ride dirt yeah, bikes. Yeah, they're just so out of it, man. Yeah. Like, well, so like, if I come back, I can get five. (laughs) There was lots of things throughout the show that they were like, wait, what? What happened? Uh, And it cracks me up. And it happens every time they're in. There's just little things. They're like, they just don't know. Like, it's funny that they don't, I don't know. They're just not up. They're a little, they're a little removed. Yeah. Um, But, and and again, like, I don't, I don't want to keep blowing their balls and we can make that a drop if we want, but. (laughs) Uh, I think that adds to the humor. Oh, yeah, the absolutely. They, the way they respond when that stuff comes up is, again, I think it's hilarious. It's almost like Chris Betts being in studio. Uh, yes. Betts, two homers tonight, by the way. Did the he Betts. get – man, I was hoping – I wish he had gotten a couple at uh, yeah, when I went. Yeah, he got two tonight. I got a, I got a couple of nice little uh, yells at him while he was going up to bat, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, those, those were pretty good. Uh, all right, Michael, I know you have some thoughts on this. Uh, before you – just what do you think about the, the rant? Before you give your little uh, – Steve Mathis is, has a loose program. I have a rant about their rant. All right, but, let's, uh, let's just go go well, for two, it. Two, two things I was going to say, what you guys just talked about that cracks me up is, yes, Jake and RV are both removed, but I love the fact that, you know, again, RV, uh, you know, historic career, could be on the Mount Rushmore moto, blah, blah, blah. 
he's even more removed to the point when they start arguing about how you earn a career number. He's trying to like, what do you, what do you guys have? And Jake's just like, stay at, like Jake is just telling him to stay out because Jake knows he knows nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. Doesn't, doesn't even understand the basis of the rule, even though he earned a number back in the day and <laughs> RV doesn't. And so Jake is just like, stop, you're, you're not even involved. In this. That, that had me dying of laughter. Yes. I, I love uh, when Jake, back- I love when Jake reels in RV too. Like, so he has little quips and they're, they're really funny. Agreed. Um, the actual rant itself, I, I do agree with them on the sense of, because I actually I was talking to, because I was doing the national numbers projection list, me and both me and Clint Fowler were kind of going back and forth on some of the details for this next year. And Clinton, of course, is like the, the math statistics wizard, of course. But my end is more the fine details of goofy rules of our sports. I remember when we compared a list one time, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I found out this guy's keeping a number and this guy's requesting it and Crowley counts this year. And we're just like, how the hell does our rule book work? Yeah, I understood for a long time that, yes, if you have a career number and if you're either injured, don't have a ride, something weird happens, um, you can request a one-year hold on, which I agree with. Like this year, Colt Nichols just earned his career number last year, number 45. He's a defending champ gets wiped out, doesn't get to race this year. Like, totally understood his being allowed to save. He's one of the five people that is requesting a hold on his um, on his number. Now, in the case, again, of a Hill, a Reed, guys that are two years down the road that have had the opportunity to come back or something and didn't, yeah, sorry. I think the, the number should go. My understanding always was I thought you could only request a hold once. Well, now I found out it's <clears throat> sort of indefinite. <laughs> um, depending on the circumstances, but in Don't talking forget. to Peltier, I think this is the last year it's going to be indefinite. I think my understanding is they will probably make a rule change after this year because they have so many guys doing it that, hey, from now on, it will be there can only be a one year hold on your number. Um, I don't know if that would ever count. Like they talk about the Dunge thing, that's a little unique because single digits don't get taken um, unless you win championships. Like, I don't think that will affect that, but. Um, yeah, like the guys are the two-digit career numbers. Um, that yeah, those will probably only be one-year holds, which I'm totally for. It sucks because, like this year, Christian Craig. It used to be you had to finish top ten overall combined. There was only one dude this year that was new to a career number. That's Craig. Um, there's so many guys that hold them, have already had them, and it just takes like when you do the list, it's like, geez, there's so many guys with career numbers because there's so many guys racing late in their career. It's kind of a bummer because it makes it really hard for dudes to get that actually have good seasons to get a number they deserve. Yeah, for sure. What's your rant? But, oh, my rant is if if the guys are going to go on a rant, at least have your facts straight. They keep bringing up Tickle. Tickle did race last year. He is eligible. If Everybody agreed that everybody can have a one-year hold. Yep. Tickle is asking for his first-time hold. We're talking about Reed and Hill have not raced since 2020. I don't know if it's just because it was not this kind of a quieter season for Tickle, but I don't know if they're forgetting that Tickle raced in 21 for MCR and finished 13th overall in the Supercross standings. So this would have been, he, he earned his number for this year, number 20. He is asking for his first hold because he did plan on racing the last couple nationals this year, but due to, um, due to things, I, due, <laughs> uh, <laughs> due to Cowie's upcoming test schedule and smart stuff, they weren't able to let him race the last couple of nationals talking to him. He does intend on being able to get on a few races next year to actually earn the points to keep his number going forward. So this is the first time he's asking for a hold where Hill and Reed will be on their second time. So tickle falls in the category of like the Colt Nichols or the Zach Osborne's. They're both asking for holds on theirs. And Brock is saying he plans on riding. So they're ranting on him and kept bringing him up but he's not in the same circumstance as the other two. So if you're going to rip into somebody on a rant or about somebody on a rant, at least have your, your stats right. Damn it, Mathis. Marks, what's wrong with your boss? Uh, I mean, if I could play the, the drop of Randy Richardson, Randy Richardson saying, if anybody knows about fake news, it's you to Mathis, <laughs> I would play it right now. Perfect, that's perfect. Just, that's just right in line with the, the CNN of motocross. <laughs> <laughs> Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you're racing on the track, riding on the trails, or commuting on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. I just got an email a little bit ago from Motorsport that my tubes for my 
or for the Vital MX23 Husky 350 have shipped. So thank you, motorsport.com, for that. couple more things I want to touch on real quick. Chuck Sun was also on mic for a little bit. And Marks, he had some some stories, some interesting stories, some awkward stories. Johnny O'Mara <laughs> and would rather eat a cow pie than race a 500 and Everett's kangaroo story. I don't really know what to do with those stories. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to take them for what they're worth. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's I like hearing that old that old school stuff every once in a while because it's just like, man, you can find some gems in there. And I think Chuck Stone would probably have quite a few if you let him go for a while. Yeah, so, yeah that, it was just awkward in the moment. Yeah, for sure. Michael, did you take take anything away from Chuck's son? Um, I mean, he's a he's a legend. I understood the point when they brought him on for the the world or when they were talking about destination. The yep. stories were pretty odd, and it, uh, it's a, it was such a Jake and RV thing. Like when he popped on a couple of things he said, I was like kind of scratching my head a little bit. Uh, def, definitely interesting. Like uh, the whole kangaroo one had me really scratching my head. Yeah. Something about dead kangaroos and dead a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I would have uh, liked to have cameras. I would have loved to have cameras on RV and Weimer for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's touch on. I just got a couple more things we're going to touch on. Uh, who comes out ahead was a question. I think it was a tweet. World Supercross or Feld MX partnership? And Mathis kind of made a bomb explosion. Like it's. Um, I feel like that might be in reference to something, Michael. I kind of feel like it could be in reference to some things we're hearing about World Supercross. What were your thoughts? Um, I don't know. This one's been tough. I've been talking to a lot of different people about this recently, and I like I don't want to be the Debbie Downer um, for the World SX thing. I hope it would work. I do think you know a lot of guys have talked about the changes that are coming to with the Super Motocross series, like. Whether people want to believe it or not, the whole combined series and a playoff system was in play before World Supercross was announced. That was the reason why I felt parted from FIM. Um, I had an OEM, somebody's pretty high up, mentioned this to me before World Supercross ever got announced that that was coming. However, I do be- I do personally believe that the purse that they're putting in um, Super Motocross is fairly reactionary to World Supercross. So, like, it's having a competitor is doing good things. I, I think it helps you know, get series out of the norms, people being complacent. But at the same time, there's good things about World Supercross, and there's a lot of things that have me scratching my head. And, you know, we went from something that was supposed to be a seven or six round series. It was even announced down to the end. They still said it was going to be three. Well, now it's actually going to be two. They promised the teams it was going to be a level playing field. Now they're hiring riders to be against them. Um, the teams that are doing it, I know haven't drummed up a lot of extra sponsorship form. Yeah, riders are going there with decent purse money, but I know a lot of riders are literally riding for free in this series because the teams aren't willing to pay them. Um, so, and there's just a bunch of stuff where I'm just like, I don't know if this is going to work. There's some other behind the scene items that don't give me a lot of confidence yeah. that this thing is going to make it in the long run. Um, the fact that they were trying to get uh, exclusive tire supply, exclusive fuel, title sponsors haven't come through. They aren't having the amount of rounds they thought they were going to at high promotion fees. So, like, you know, the Saudi money is going out. Where's the money incoming? I, It's starting out for me like I just don't know how this is going to work in the long run. Yeah, well, Marks, I feel like Mathis probably has that same information, and I kind of think that's where the bomb sound effects came from. I don't know that to be true, but it's. I feel like the answer to that question is the Feld MX partnership is probably going to come out ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think ML's pretty on the spot there. Yeah. I think everyone can kind of see that happening. Like, uh, obviously, it's not playing out super well. They're they're losing round. It, it's two rounds. Like, that's not a great look. No. already. No. I don't think. You know, um, seven or eight would have been sweet. Three is like three is still okay. Like, you, you can consider a, a mini triple crown or something like, or a glorified triple crown if you want to say that. But to, I mean to. to have it come down to two rounds and you know uh the the list of riders is 
we, I guess we won't touch that. I'll, I'll leave that <laughs> one alone. There's still a lot of good writers. But, well, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Steve probably has that same info, and that's probably what that was alluding to. Yeah, and, and, you know, I was sitting here thinking about it. Steve's Manitoba Championship might have been more rounds than World Supercross. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just a brutal look, I think, yeah. to, to have it be two rounds and try to call it a, a World <laughs> Supercross Championship. <laughs> that's just uh, it's, it's a bit, yeah. bit off, but... Uh, all we can do is hope for the best. So, sure. you know, I think that's what we should be doing. And if it doesn't work, we can hopefully, hopefully some riders can make a little bit of money. Go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, ultimately, I think um, the people come out as, I think the riders will do it for the couple of years. And I don't mean that. I shouldn't say as a certainty, a couple of years like that's all going to make it. If it goes the way I think it might go is, if it is only around a few years, um, at least the riders that will participate, there's good purse money for them. There's an opportunity for a few dudes to, to make some money. Um, the only thing I'm kind of concerned going forward with is, is a lot of dudes that are at the end of their careers or coming back. I, I would definitely like to see it be a younger group, like guys that haven't had the opportunity to make it in racing mm-hmm. versus some guys that have and decide to come back because now the coin's being waved in front of them a little bit. I shouldn't say it's all their, those guys' reasons, but I don't know. There's, there's like I said, there's a big part of me that would like to see it succeed at some level because I think it continues to put pressure on the existing establishment. Um, but for all the people that just saw the big shiny number and think this is easy, there's there's a lot that isn't coming about uh, for them, and there's a lot of challenges uh, ahead that I I foresee. Knowing, knowing, especially from running a team now and being really involved with having to deal with the promoters and meetings and stuff knowing a lot more about how the racing business works and seeing the parts of that, that this series is missing, how the sport really does work. It, it just worries me in the long run. Um, the biggest thing is I hope it doesn't go too South because I feel like opportunities like this won't come along very often. If, if these guys kind of blow it per se, and it, it goes up in flames, when is there ever going to be this opportunity that somebody's going to invest and try to make this happen again? Yep, um, yep, it, it's just point. not going to look good where, uh, you know, that, that would be the bigger pump, bummer part to me is not only would it go away is then it might make it 10, 15 years before anybody tries again um, to ever attempt anything like this. And I, I do think there's a lot of soft points there. Um, just whether it's the people, the timeline they've been given, it, it's just not turning out how I expected. Good points. Last topic, Marks. What'd you take away from the mechanics being underpaid uh, discussion? Um, that the industry, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a loaded topic, right? Um, I think that there's a lot of people willing to work for less than they should in this industry, just so that they can be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, um, I, I have certainly done that myself with steve same um, ditto at a at a very low much lower level you know and that's not that's not even on the level of mechanics busting their asses for you know crazy hours and to get bikes ready and do all that stuff hoping yeah, for a bonus. I, I, I like that just go ahead i said hoping for a bonus right <laughs> right um yeah, I mean, because everyone wants to be a part of it. Like, it's it's your sport. You love it. You want to you want to be cool, and and so people do that. But I wish, I wish people wouldn't. And I wish, you know, obviously life isn't fair. You don't get what you uh, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate, and that's kind of a motto that I've adopted. And I wish people would more. Um, I do like those discussions though, because I think they bring awareness to that kind of stuff. I think they bring. Um, you know, I think if you're having discussions that make people a bit uncomfortable, those are probably discussions that are that should be had. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of them. Mechanics, I'm sure Steve has a soft spot for mechanics, especially because obviously that's what he was before his media empire blew up. Mechanic of the night. Um, right, mechanic of the night. So I do like that stuff. I like the I like the business discussions. I like the money discussions. I like all of that stuff. And I think we should keep no, I say we. I think they should keep having those. And I think, you know, uh, people should be a little more, uh, aware. I don't know what, yeah. Aware and less willing to, to do more for less, uh, in this industry as a whole. Yeah. Michael, I think I, like I wasn't aware necessarily that some of the factory level mechanics made so little. 
and that they're basically hoping to get a bonus, right? That they're picking, they kind of said, these guys will go to work for these teams and make a little less with the hopes that they're going to get with a guy that's going to be successful and then hopefully get bonuses. That's kind of a sucky career plan, unfortunately. Like, it's not, it's not ideal. Yeah, I think you're starting to see, it sucks because we could joke about a lot of people on the teams being um, underpaid by particularly I think the mechanics have it the worst. Like I know truck drivers on teams that make double the salary that the mechanics do and having again done the team, they kind of experienced every form of the job, whether it's crew chief suspension, I've built engines, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, yes. Don't get me wrong. Like the crew chiefs, the suspension guys, the truck drivers, everybody has jobs that have a lot more tomb than you would think. And there's maybe more hours, more of a green grime than you would expect. But a lot of those positions are, I, I still think in playing teams are underpaid, but at least they're better paid than the mechanics. It's truly shocking that I ran a small support team and the two mechanics on my team got paid better than some guys I know on factory level 250 teams right now, because their whole thing is they're banking off of, okay, there's a higher chance that I have a rider who can podium a super cross because of the split regions. And that's what they're banking on. That's what you're pitched on. I, I know a few guys that over the years have had job offers to go to positions that aren't as directly related to race teams. And the south, you know, it's a very similar job, but it's like the salary offers are double outside of the team, but the team keeps trying to really, oh, well, you know, you could hit bonus. Your guy kills it. You could make, you can make 50, hundred grand program, but, yeah, there's guys that ride that wave. And then I think you're seeing, uh, there was a combination of it being, I think, through COVID. Um, but we had a lot of mechanics drop out the last couple of years. A lot of very good techs have, have dropped out of the mechanic gig. I think they were just all burnt on <clears throat> the travel, um, the unknowns of their jobs, getting their little bit of pay cut already. It was um, We've had a lot of guys leave. And I think you, what you see the cycle is these young guys go to these high level 250 teams with a lot of riders for very little money and one of two things happen they either grind for a couple of years somebody recognizes it and they get bumped to a so so decent job that maybe a good factory team um or they attach to a rider that that makes bank or even guys that grind do a good job they just get a couple of years and they get sick of making it trying to live in southern california and live off 40 grand a year and uh they end up bailing from the industry like literally i know a couple of mechanics that in the past five six, seven years have worked for 250 riders that have won championships and their base salary was 40 grand and they're trying to live in, in SoCal where <laughs> the average house rents like $3,400. That's why there's like six mechanics in a house. Um, like I said, because of the bailout rate, rate recently, um, I've definitely seen an increase on some of the base salaries for mechanics, but I think it would truly shock people. Some of the teams we're referring to, I can't blow certain people out, but we're talking about some of the the biggest teams out there you think would be covering their dudes better. And yeah, they, they aren't making very much. Yeah. It's sad. Okay. Well, with that note, we're going to end the Pulp Mix wrap up show from the gold Creek lodge edition. I want to thank motorsport.com guts racing, Michelin bicycle tires and seal savers for coming on board as well as all the other Pulp Mix sponsors, including race tech, X brand goggles, fly racing, Check them out at pulpmexshow.com. There's links and discount codes. Go use them. Support those sponsors so that Steve can keep doing those shows. Keep paying me for the rest of the year. Hopefully keep paying Marks for life. Support everybody that supports the show. Marks, anything I missed? Anything you want to touch on before we wrap it up? Um, you know, aside from the life thing not working because I'm working for Vital starting next year. But other than that, oh, yeah. we're good. Yeah, our, the Vital app is <laughs> the Vital app. I tested it today. You did a great job. Lit. I love it. Love it. Michael, anything else? Uh, I promise never to talk about apps again today, so I'm out. <laughs> I, I don't know. I listened to this very show today on the app. I don't know what the problem is. Thank you. Yep. Works fine. I mean, there's a Thank few you. drops. I think we need to update the drops on the app, but other than that, works just fine. Yeah. We'll get there when it's time. That's it, guys. That's a wrap. We're out. Why would you want to re talk about the Pulp Show?
Sia 